to Sermon Notes. This is Garland. We got Michael, Josh, our producer. And Michael, your wife is with us today. I've got to be on my best behavior. Is in the house with us this morning uh, as we work through this. Um, We're continuing our study of the Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and we're in the series, uh, the second half of the letter, where Paul's talking about how should we now live? We've been calling it the conduct of the church. In light of our calling, how do we live? And as he's unpacking what wise living looks like, we started this back last week, starting in verse 15 of chapter 5, he then begins to inform uh, what wise living looks like. He's got several commands, and rooted in that, it's almost as if typical Paul Paul, uh, he's in the middle of a sentence, he's describing some things, and then he breaks out into a whole new, it's not a new thought, but it's an extended thought, and it's a fairly well-known passage. It's kind of tricky. Right. We're going to be looking at chapter 5, verses 22 to 33, and uh, it's, a, it's a famous part of the Bible because this is one of the parts where the Bible talks about men and women in the home. Right. So... Michael, give us the lay of the land of the passage. and Yeah, so before we kind of jump into that, um, to your point, Garland, verse 18 has the verb um, that is kind of the, the verb that drives the rest of this section. It's be filled with the Spirit. And so um, we're going to talk about that in the sermon, but just to, to note, um, especially for those of you leading community groups or if you're studying this on your own, that all of this hangs on that phrase, be filled with the Spirit, that without the Holy Spirit, none of the things he's gonna, that are going to follow that are possible. And then he's got a bunch of what we call participles. And so um, these, these all uh, flow out of being filled with the Spirit. And the last one, um, for our purposes, is in verse 21, where he says, submitting to one another. And then we get to our passage, verse 22. And so virtually every translation says some version of wives submit to your own husbands. What's interesting is that word submit in verse 22 is not actually there. Our translators are supplying that to make it make sense. Really, it's hanging off of verse 21, submitting to one another. Wives, to your husbands, as you do to the Lord. And so it's, um, Paul is saying, Submit to one another, and then he's going to give us some examples of what that looks like in what uh, Martin Luther called the household code, and many uh, commentators have picked up on that language over the years. He's going to say, here's what it looks like in your marriage, husbands and wives. Here's what it looks like in parenting, children and parents. Here's what it looks like in master-slave relationships, which was a common feature of Paul's time. And so these are all things happening inside the home. And so um, I love what our Ephesians study guide writer said, and I'm going to bring this out in the sermon as well, but this is our most complete treatment of marriage in the New Testament. And yet, Yet really, marriage is not the main idea. The main idea is how do we now live in light of the gospel as people who are filled with the Spirit? We do it by submitting to one another. So just just a few things as we look at the passage. This would be a really good place um, if you are uh, have your paper Bible printed, um, if you've got a pen or pencil handy. Uh, begin to note as you go through it, and, and we're going to talk to Lee in a minute, so we're going to move through some of these grammar things quickly, but begin to note the transition words. And the things you're going to be looking for in this passage are things like as, um, or sometimes I'll translate as like or as. Uh, look for the word for. How does for 
work? What's it doing to connect? Look for things like so that or because. And that actually will help illuminate the passage uh, as you study it yourself. And so Paul is going to give a, uh, he's going to give an example, being subject to each other. Then he says, hey, wives. And then very quickly he's going to go, just ask. Um, he's going to use uh, these these pictures of the church and Jesus as his support material. Um, and so note that as you go, and we get some of the most, I mean, some of the most beautiful language to describe what Jesus has done for the church we're going to get in this passage. And so uh, that's worth a quiet time meditation on it just right, right. there in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Michael, tell us um, where you want to go from here. Yeah, I, I do want to lay... There's one thing that I, I want to bring our listeners in on, and so there's something that you and I have been talking about, we've been thinking about, and um, we're recording this the week before the sermon will be taught on Sunday, and then after we leave church on Sunday, we're going to go to sit in front of our television and see who will win the NASCAR Cup Championship. Correct. Who is your prediction? Go on record now. When the listeners hear this, People this will already be decided. Know. Yeah, I'm going on record right now. The number nine car, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott. You think he's going to bounce back after a bad third round? That's right. He's due. Garland, what do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, Dale Jr. Is he still going? Is he still driving? Dale Jr. will be there commentating and doing. Oh, he's a commentator uh, a now. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that? Josh knew that. Okay. Josh keeps up with everybody. Knew that in the room except for me. Yeah. I, you know, I don't follow NASCAR, but uh, I am predicting a Razorback win this week. Someday. So, oh man, yeah. I hope so. All right. So seriously, Lee, we've been teaching biblical roles in marriage and merge since we've had merge at Fellowship Fayetteville. And so this is a passage we've spent a lot of time in and you've spent a lot of time thinking about. And what I really would love to hear from you today for our listeners, um, half of our community group leaders are women. Half of our community group members are women. This passage says, wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. Um, what about this word submit? What does it mean in this biblical context? And what would you want to say to the women who are going to be processing this in their groups together? Yes. Yeah, so first thing I would, I love that, uh, our women leaders, our community group women leaders have a chance to dive into this passage and, um, spend some time really trying to understand what the Lord has for us in this, as opposed to maybe what the culture is saying and doing, um, because it's an opportunity to, to, reveal a beautiful picture of the gospel and how our marriages can be a picture of that that um, points people toward Jesus. So this word submit, you always say in merge, it's not a dirty word. It feels like a dirty word sometimes in our society and our culture because it implies a power balance. It implies one person's better than the other or um, has a higher rank than the other. What is this word biblically? Biblically speaking, what does it mean to submit? Uh, yeah, so the word submit is a, is a little heavy, um, but when you look at it in the context of in Ephesians, um, we can understand that there is a yielding aspect that he that the that the Lord's calling wives to, but also husbands to. So there's a yielding, but uh, also if you look at the end of Ephesians five, um, Paul instructs wives to respect their husbands. And so submission, trust, respect, honor is all wrapped up together for me. That's good. Yeah. And you know, when we look at the passage and Garland, I would invite you to weigh in on this. Um, 
wives are called to submit, husbands are called to die. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we get, uh, our culture gets this really, I think, confused, and, and I get why. We read the passage, and that word seems like a, a challenging, dirty word. Like, we see that, and I know for a lot of women that I process uh, passages like this with, um, uh, for, you know, friends of mine, this has been a, a sore subject for them, and uh, and it's a place that creates fear and doubt in their minds. Um, and I think, like, like you said a minute ago, Michael, it immediately strikes of a power balance for us, or who has authority, and unfortunately, for many, uh, we kind of, we bring some maybe uh, unintentional Southern cultural scripts to the table a little bit um, when we can read this as well. But you're right in noticing, and I think just once we hear this, first thing we got to hear is Jesus has flipped power on its head. Jesus has totally changed how power operates. He says things like, you want to be great? Become a slave of all. You want to be great? Be the servant of all. So right on its head, right right off the bat, we got to see power slipped on its head. Then what the passage says, and Michael, you're right to point it out, it doesn't say wives submit, husbands lead, or wives submit, husbands rule, or something like that. I think we think that's the natural, you know, opposite. If I'm supposed to be submitting, he must be ruling or leading. But notice what it says. It actually says, wives, be subject or submit to your own husband as to the Lord. And she, uh, he explains that. Husbands... We're expecting dot, 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 rule, lead. No, love your wives. How? As Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. And for, it, for me and most of the women I've, I, that I've processed this with, that immediately begins to change how we're even seeing this passage. I'd, I'd be curious, how that, Lee, how that uh, has affected how you've read the passage over the years. Yes, absolutely. That flipped it for me too. Like, you know, I can, when I think about what Jesus did for me, um, I can easily go to, of course, he is my authority. You know, I respect him. I'm going to follow him. And so I thought, well, why? You know, why is it that I so readily do that for Christ? And it's because it's right there in the passage. Because he died for me. He gave himself up for me to make me um, holy and blameless. And so if you lay that down to the example of what we're trying to do in creating a godly marriage, then what the, he's calling the husbands to do is the same thing. He's calling our husbands to love us completely, um, sacrificially, to set us up for success. Yeah, that's good, Lee. So one of the things you talk about in Merge, I'd love you to share with our listeners, since most of us um, didn't get to go through Merge, um, whatever our premarital counseling looked like. um, Ours was less than stellar back in the early 90s, but uh, we won't go into that. Call somebody out right now. Yeah, Yeah. I guarantee he ain't listening to this. Um, (laughs) Lee, what are are some unhealthy interpretations of submit, or or how could a wife um, not submit well? Yes. So in Merge, we talk about two sort of uh, roles that we're called to, helping and submitting. And so we can kind of get in in trouble or sort of get out of bounds um, when we're trying to step into the helper role, which uh, being a helper is a characteristic of God, by the way, Um, a characteristic that as a Christ follower, I want to emulate or aspire to. So you got to You got to I know what you're saying, but how is God a helper? How is that a characteristic of God? Uh, Well, he calls the Holy Spirit a helper. Oh, the Holy Spirit. He's God. That's right. He is also God. (laughs) It's also in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my Atzer, the Hebrew word for help, helper, yes. same word in right. Genesis. Yes. So it's actually used more of God than any other character in the Bible, that word. Yes. And so whatever it is, it doesn't mean 
Meek, mild, right. number two, you know, junior can't help, sidekick. junior varsity, sidekick, yeah. yeah. secretary, whatever it means. It can't be that because I live by ice of the hills. Where does my eight, sir, my helper come yes. from? That's what the woman's being described as here. That's pretty cool, actually. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. So we can own that. Um, but yeah, we can get out of bounds sometimes when we try to help in a way that hurts. Um, sometimes that looks like taking over. Um, back in Genesis, after the fall, he tells um, Eve that your desire is going to be for your husband, which if you're like me, when I first read that verse, I was like, isn't that how it's supposed to be? But um, I guess the root meaning of the word desire is more like we're going to feel attention to desire to take over his position. And so we're going to feel that tension inside of us in that marriage relationship that says, you know what, you just need to take over. You know the right way to do things in this relationship, so just take over. And so that can get us out of balance in this in this model. Um, taking over can, even though you may think that you know the right way forward, can leave your partner, your husband, feeling ineffectual, um, cast aside because you know, like you know the right way to go, and that's where we're going to go, no matter what. So that is um, one ditch, I guess you could say, is taking over. But then the other ditch is um, staying silent. Where, you know, women, we kind of say, oh, well, the husband's called to be the head of the household, so I'm going to just throw my hands up. He's in charge. I don't have anything to contribute. I'm lesser. Well, that's that's not healthy either. No, we have a voice. He's called us to be interdependent um, in this marriage relationship. And so he needs to hear my voice, my thoughts, my opinions um, to make this godly picture of marriage work. Yeah, that's good. And so as we think about this passage um, from the guy's standpoint, um, he does say, you know, husbands, verse 25, love your wives. He gives commands to husbands. Um, a couple of things for us guys to keep in mind. One, men and women are equal in personhood. And so we're equally created in the image of God. We stand equally in need of salvation at the foot of the cross. Um, we're, we're equal in our... Um, in our capacities um, for serving the Lord and value to the kingdom and God's project. Um, but we have different roles. And our role as the husband is to love our wives um, as and as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so we have those same two ditches that you're describing for the wife, except they look a little different. I think for guys, one ditch is to be domineering, is to say, um, man, the Bible says I'm the head of the household, and so what I say goes, I'm going to rule with an iron fist. That's not what the passage calls us to. Is that what Jesus did? Does Jesus rule in your life with an iron fist? No. Um, Jesus showed us what leadership looks like, as Garland pointed out, and that he, he showed us that by going to the cross. And so for guys, um, to be domineering is not what we're called to. Um, but the other ditch is the one I think I see more men, especially in our current culture, fall into, which is passivity, which is to say, hey, she thinks she knows everything. Hey, she, in some cases, it might be true. She's the spiritual one. And so I'm going to just watch the game and let her coast. Uh, yeah, I'm going to coast through life. And that's the other ditch that the Bible is calling us as men out of. And so um, our goal as husbands, you know, Tim Keller says, stop looking for the perfect spouse and become the perfect spouse. Um, there's a little bit of that in this, that as a husband, if I can die to myself, I don't know about you, Garland, Josh, the other guys here in the room, I wake up every day pretty selfish. 
Um, I wake up. What not, not me? Yeah, well, <laughs> we all know that you're the most selfless um, of the people we know. Where's Sarah? We need to get her in here. Oh yeah, that's why she's not in here on the mic. <laughs> I'm being very confessional while Lee's sitting here to um, call me out or anything. Now I wake up selfish, and for me to allow the Holy Spirit. Remember, verse 18: be filled with the Spirit to crucify that selfishness so that I say, it's not what's best for me, it's what's best for my family. It's not always about what I want, it's what my family needs, um, and especially my wife, um, that I'm gonna try to crucify my own sinful desires. By being filled with the Spirit, I don't want anyone to hear this as a do better, work harder, white knuckle it. Nope, it all comes back to submitting myself to the Lord, being obedient to Christ. What we teach in Merge is, Leading in marriage looks like obeying Christ and serving my wife. And if I can do those two things, that should make it easier for her to submit to my servant leadership. Yeah, just as a, as a cross-reference thing for everybody uh, working through this in small group, um, it might be even helpful before you read the passage. Um, when, you, when you read verse 21, 521, just write down next to that Philippians 2, 3 to 11, and maybe read it. Jesus will describe for us what serving looks like, submitting to each other looks like, or Paul will describe it to us. And it's another prison epistle. And he'll say, do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves, not merely looking to your own interest, but the, also the interest of others. And just like this, he says, just as Christ, and he'll give us a description of what Jesus did. Overlay that to the passage, and I think it unlocks something really beautiful and profound. If we overlay who has power, who gets the vote, it's going to get nasty and ugly. And so we've rooted everything in what Jesus has done, and man, that changes the game entirely. And so uh, that might be a helpful, for those of you that are going to talk about this in small group, that might be a helpful starting point. Let's see how Jesus has reoriented power and serving, and what does it mean to be a, quote, leader and a servant. Now let's look at the passage, and that might just Mm -hmm. even help us see it through the lens of a Jesus follower. Um, Yeah. yeah. And for all our single listeners, um, this passage, like I say, it is our most complete treatment of marriage. And yet at the heart of it is this idea of mutual submission in the spirit. And so you can apply these things to a lot of relationships. This isn't limited just to the husband wife. It's telling us how God's designed the household to work. Um, But if you're single, um, we're not going to let you off the hook that easy. Um, You're still called to submit, to serve other people in your life and relationships in your life. And so you can think through um, how the Lord would have you be obedient in this. And before Garland wraps this up, Lee, I'm going to give you the last word. Anything you want to say, um, bring in the, the woman's voice to a passage that affects all of us, men and women? Uh, yeah, I would just say that, you know, as, as Christ followers, then we, you know, sign on to um, acknowledging that His way is the best way and His path forward is the best path forward for us individually, um, us in relationship with Him, us in relationship with our spouses. And so let's look at this um, with the idea that, that God wants His best for us in this. That's really good. Well, Sermon Notes listener, uh, have a great week of worship, a great small group, great discipleship, and we'll see you next time.